it's the time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 473 for January 25th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Joe. Oh, I should have asked how to pronounce it. Dugenzik. Did I get close? <laughs> All right. He's giving me a thumbs up on video there. Anyway, Joe and I met at the Elgato booth. Actually, Joe, Steve and I met at the Elgato booth at CES. And uh, so I started checking into this guy. He's a YouTuber and budding independent tech journalist. He covers things surrounding the smarter home. And he's really excited about this stuff. He's got a lot of experience in home automation, LED lighting, and he does product reviews. He does audience Q&A. So uh, a la dumb question corner, like what we have here. He does education educational uh, content. Um, boy, he just goes on and on. He's got stuff for average consumers and techies. He is definitely our people. He's a former web developer, an IT professor, and uh, he's uh, taken off on his own here. And he started a, a, a thing he calls Smarter Home Life. He started in 2014. Whew, that's a big introduction, but you've done a lot of stuff, Joe. Welcome to the show. That's just the, the, the small portion of it. Well, thank you, Allison. It was, it was so much fun to run into you up at CES. Yeah, yeah, we were, uh, like I said, we were both at the um, uh, Elgato booth and looking at switches and, and thermostats and all that stuff. And to find somebody who's really dug into this, I was I was really excited to get a chance to talk to you. I'm sorry, we didn't actually get the chance to, to talk more that day, but uh, I, a, re- I, had, I had recognized you from your appearances on uh, MacBreak Weekly. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, they need to have me back on. Haven't been on that in a while. <laughs> uh, oh, they should. Yeah, so uh, let's start with the the name of your shows uh, or your site and your show and what you do. You call it the smarter or smarter home life, not smart home, but smarter home. Why did why did you yes. name it that? Well, okay, so number one, uh, I couldn't I, I couldn't quite possibly buy uh, smarthome dot com or smarthomelife dot com <laughs> because of you know copyrights and Instion owns that. Ah. Um, so I adopted something that was close, of course. But the name has grown on me, and and there's a number of people who have this similar um, thought that we're not quite, for as much technology as we have in our smart homes, so to speak, we're really in smarter homes that get smarter like every time we bring a new piece of tech into them. So smart is the goal? (laughs) Smart is the goal. I think it's, it's, you know, because it's that magical destination we're all trying to get to, right? Right, right. Um, And I think... And I think we all define it. We all define the smart home in our own way, too. So the smart right now, I think we're living in smarter homes. Um, One, uh, there was an article recently done around some of the things that were coming out at CES saying that we actually live in remote control homes and we're not quite to where (laughs) we have an intelligent home. So I think we're, we're on the way. We're definitely on the way and we're 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 getting there, you know. So what do you what do you put in the definition of a smarter home today? What are the what are the diff, all the different kinds of things you can you would put under that umbrella? Well, obviously, the usual suspects, you know, you know, home automation started largely with lighting control back in the day. And of course, um, climate control. But now we've we've the industry with all of the new companies has made it a lot easier to deal with things like security and sensors and obviously things like um uh, I jump back to climate control. There's, there's so many smart thermostats. There are the smart um, smoke detectors. Um, so putting these things together, in fact, I know Coldwell Banker um, and CNET had cooperated, I think, last year to actually start a definition of a what is it considered a smart home, which mm-hmm. is, I think, at least three devices that covered at least security, 
climate control and perhaps one sensor. I may be misspeaking on that uh, on the third item, but that makes sense. I have a friend who's in real estate who's working on a flip home right now who he wants to, he's kind of working with me to put in some smart home components. So he was wanting to know some of that too. But I think the the main things that people look for, uh, the main sort of sexy things, obviously lighting control and climate control and, and security is, is a big Okay. Uh, it's a big thing these days. So I've been curious about the climate control stuff because it, maybe it's because I live in California, but I, I have a heater and okay. it's got a thermostat and the thermostat is right next to the heater and it's upstairs. So it always thinks it's nice and toasty in the house when we're freezing to death downstairs. And by the way, I call freezing like 67. So well, I uh, live in. Yeah, I live in Phoenix, and it's it was 55 today as a high, so I'm freezing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We're big babies, both of us then. Good. Um, but I don't understand how these things work if you don't have ways to heat one room different than another. That that confuses me. I don't, I don't understand. If I put a sensor downstairs, it's going to make it really hot upstairs. So that's not really a very smart home. That's something I could do. I could run up and turn the thermostat up too high. That's right. It, it, that and that comes into obviously um, having having a more this. It's partly a smart home problem and partly a you know heating and ventilation and cooling challenge <laughs> because if you don't have a way to balance out that you know say if it's a do you have a, a forced uh, hot air system yeah. or is yeah. it more of a okay so so then you have the challenge of okay if your house isn't heating or cooling uniformly due to uh, a badly designed, you know, um, distribution duct work, then there are now, of course, smart vents that you can oh. control, that you can control. I believe, um, uh, and one of my viewers asked, asked me to investigate this up at CES. And I know the company, I looked them up, they weren't there. There's yeah. a company called Keen, as in like, I'm keen on this, uh, K-E-E-N. Uh, they make smart vents. And I, I believe they're Bluetooth because uh, Practically everything that doesn't actually have power needs, you know, Bluetooth to save on battery life. But it will actually um, adjust. You can dial um, the airflow to each room up and down. Oh um, wow! Which, so so wait, um, is it smart vents or smart ducting? Like like is it, or is it just like it's closing the little lever? It's closing the little. It replaces. They actually replace your existing vents in your individual rooms, and it actually then can close those um, close those um, louvers down, basically. Oh, well, so that's got to be powered to do that then, though, doesn't it? It's battery powered. Um, they, I know they say, I, I can't remember the latest time I looked at their um, site and their information, but it's battery powered and and Bluetooth operated. There, there was one, I believe, one or two other companies that working on that are working on them. The challenge, of course, is vents are multiple sizes. I have right. square vents. I have square <laughs> vents. They don't make square vents. I'm like, oh, I can't test your products. Um, so, but... I, I have to, t I'm going to interrupt the the great flow we have in this conversation to tell you one of the hilarious stories. I'm a mechanical <laughs> engineer. I was born and raised one. And uh, when I was working at one time, I remember this one guy had uh, the, the air conditioning was killing him. It was just, just blowing freezing cold air onto his desk. So he did what we all did. He got up there with some tape and a piece of cardboard and he covered up his vent. <laughs> exactly. And unbeknownst to him, that made it freezing in the office next to him. So the guy next to him is like, man, I'm freezing here. So he put up a piece of cardboard, taped it up. <laughs> 
which blew the vent cover off the first guy's office. So the first guy puts his back up, blows off the second guy. This goes back and forth three or four times before they start hearing each other messing around and they realize what's going on. So being mechanical engineers, they covered up one and the other one, they got some ducting, a ducting tube, taped it onto the, uh, onto the, and, and connected it in the one guy's office, ran it out into the hallway and put a propeller on the end of it. <laughs> That's awesome. All that instead of calling facilities to say, hey, it's kind of cold say, here. Hey, can we adjust it? <laughs> Although I, I understand it as someone who's been, a you know, a, you know, a cubicle slave, so to speak. <laughs> and you, you deal with working in buildings that seemingly are brand new and they still can't control the AC or the heat correctly. Right, right. I always like it when they keep it when they're spending lots of money to keep their employees uncomfortable. That, that, that's my <laughs> yeah. favorite thing is like, this costs <laughs> exactly. you money to do this to us. Well, so anyway, so that's a really interesting idea. I like the I like the idea of a a smart vent, but you're right. It's almost like they'd have to come up with a way to retrofit every vent size. That that's kind of tricky. And that's it's tricky. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not an HVAC expert by any means, but obviously for for homes that that might not work, there are um, and these these um, devices have existed for a long time. There are devices that are um, booster fans that can sit in line with the ductwork. And to extend, um, you know, airflow to rooms that are kind of at the end of the system and they come on automatically, but they, I think, need power. And obviously what we're talking about doesn't help people, say, in the northeast or in parts of the country that are not using forced air, that are using boiler systems and radiators or um, baseboard heat or uh, any number of ways to, you know, heat your uh, home in those areas that um, that don't need um uh, yeah, that don't have traditional air conditioning. You know, we, I, I I live in an area that gets you know 120 degrees in the summer, so we definitely <laughs> love our air conditioning here. Definitely. I, okay, I got to tell you something that won't be as funny to the rest of the people listening, but but right before the show started, Joe and I were talking about why is it so many cool sites are on .io? Keen Home is .io. There you go. <laughs> See, everything <laughs> cool is on .io. I'm going to get podfeet.io, I think, because then I'll be cool, too. I think you should. I should get smarterhomelife.io. Maybe I could get smart. I'm sure smart. Someone has smarthome.io. I'm sure that's already. Probably. All the good ones are already taken, usually. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, since you study all different manufacturers and, and, and look at the industry as a whole, is what's going on in terms of trying to make this easier for us? Because it seems really complicated. I mean, like I said, I'm an engineer. My husband's an engineer. And this stuff is often baffling how to get it to work. It is. It, it really is. And I actually say that it used to be, even though it was pr- pretty much reserved for geeks, you know, years ago, there weren't all these options. So if you wanted home automation, you could run down to Radio Shack and get a couple of, you know, those little plug-in power modules, the X10 mm-hmm. modules. Um, these days, there are just a tremendous amount of options. This is the part of there are so many companies innovating and bringing us new gadgets and standards and technologies. Um, and I think, unfortunately, and based on talking to a, a number of people with some of the big standards companies like Z-Wave and Zigbee and Thread um, at CES, that I think it's going to get a little bit more difficult before it gets better. <laughs> but I think we can thank, though, I think we can thank Apple, Amazon and Google for forcing the industry uh, to be shaken up, you know, um, I, there was there were obviously rumors before HomeKit came out that Apple was going to launch some sort of home automation platform. And I think HomeKit's done a good job for everyone who lives in the Apple world. And, and I certainly do, although I have other devices so that I can test and live in the other worlds of Android <laughs> and Google and, and whatnot. 
And I think that no one, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anyone really predicted um, that Amazon was going to launch the Echo two years ago. Or that it was just going to come out of nowhere and take the world by storm. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and they've, with having the second generation dot, it's it's gotten a lot better. But so many consumers now, they bring these devices home. I think in some ways they expect them to be for the home automation side, they really expect them to be a much more magical experience. They find out <laughs> that it's more of a one at a time. Okay, um, okay, so and so set the lights to this. Okay, so and so set the temperature to this. Why can't I just say, hey, just set this, you know, scene? And that's when you need to have like a smart things or something else to, to tie those things together. Or maybe you bring in IFTTT. So twenty seven well, is supposed to do that, right? We're HomeKit supposed to be able to make scenes. HomeKit does that. And I will say, um, because I know that you're a, uh, I can't remember, a slightly Mac-centered podcast. <laughs> An ever so slight right? Macintosh bias. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. Um, so, I mean, Apple has done that. And I will congratulate them for doing, for, for bringing, Tim Cook said it in, um, in September, um, that iOS 10 is the first um, software platform to have home automation built right in with HomeKit. And I think that's um, and I think that's wonderful because you can create scenes. You can you can do all the basics with HomeKit Um, this year because of the competition with uh, from Google Home, from uh, from the Amazon side. We're going to see um, we're going to see more. we're going to see more um, innovation happen in terms of making it easier for consumers okay, to good. bring for bringing devices home and, and hooking them up and, you know, impressing their friends or just trying to do something simple. Yeah, because I got to say, in even with uh, HomeKit and or the new Home app on the iPhone, I already complained about it on the show, but I had uh, Hue light bulbs. And we had to get the new Hue Bridge in order to get them to work. And we did that. And it was it was like four days for us to get this to set up. And as I said before, two engineers, we both got graduate degrees in engineering and we couldn't right. get it to work. And you, if you couldn't get it to work, then, then how are most consumers going to do it? Yeah. And I know um, I, I had a special um, Philips. Uh, Philips Hue had a special suite at uh, the Aria Hotel. Ah. Um, and I had a special tour over there. Um and they had got they wanted to show off. I mean, it wasn't really news to me because I follow this stuff and I have uh, a number of Philips Hue and, and other lights um, in my uh, smarter home. Um, but they had replaced all of their um, as many light bulbs and devices in that hotel room suite as they could to kind of show it off. This is what a oh, okay. Philips Hue experience could be. But I asked them, I said, what's coming in 2017? And they are largely aside from launching a couple of uh, dedicated light fixtures with Q technology built in. They're working on improving the user experience and the app experience and the the Philips Hue ecosystem. Um, Are they going to stick with having a separate physical hub like they have? I they have to, and this is part of the challenge. And I get these. You know, you, you're asking some of the questions that I actually get asked on a regular basis from my viewers. They say, "I want to buy these Philips Hue lights. Do I have to buy the starter kit? Do I have to buy the hub?" Um, the challenge is the most of the lighting. Uh, the smart lighting products other than LifeX or the new uh, dedicated home kit um, LED bulb from Sylvania, most of them use Zigbee or some other um, oh. non, non-Wi-Fi, non-Bluetooth protocol for control. Oh, so, and, th- so they're using uh, Zigbee or Z-Wave to communicate back to the hub and then the hub connects over Ethernet to your, your network and has the rest of the conversation? 
That's exactly right. Oh. Yeah. But I and, thought but some what, of them, like, like Elgato, I thought you didn't have to have a hub for them. That's right. Now, Elgato is a little bit different. Um, Elgato, of course, I'm, I, you're familiar with them. I am familiar with them. They've done a lot of Mac products over the years. All of their products are Bluetooth. They communicate directly with either your iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, or if you're if you're using HomeKit with remote access, you know, via your Apple TV, mm-hmm. um, they're communicating uh through the Apple TV back to your iPhone, but they're doing it via Bluetooth. Okay. They introduced, uh, as I'm sure they told you about, they're introducing a, a, a Bluetooth extender um, this year, I think in a couple months, so that, because if you have these sensors, like I've got, where's my, here's one of mine. As I, <laughs> there went one of his. Something else <laughs> fell down. Uh, this is the Eve, uh, I'm showing this on video, but no, the audience <laughs> isn't seeing it. Um, one of these little uh, rounded uh, rectangle looking devices um, one of their sensors, but it's Bluetooth. I have a, I have their uh, Eve weather sensor, the Elgato Eve weather sensor, sitting in my tree outside. Oh wow! And it's Bluetooth, and it kind of, it's forty or fifty feet away, but it, it's probably about the extent of the uh, the range of of the current version of Bluetooth. So with each, walls and such involved. With walls, I and, think and straight stuff. line. I want to say it's like two hundred feet. It is, it's yeah, pretty line far, of but sight. it's pretty far. Once if you, you don't have in, a two hundred foot hallway, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but you're right that one of the one of the things that can be cons- confusing to consumers and even more uh, more uh, techie folk is that many of these systems and products that you bring home all use a different communications system or a different protocol to talk to each other or there's a different logo on the box that you have to think of. Does this work with that? Right? Does A work with B? Work with C? Yeah, it's as hard as watching TV these days. Did I watch, was this on HBO Go or was it Netflix or was it Amazon? (laughs) That's exactly right. And I also, I don't want a whole bunch of these hubs. I mean, I'm going to have to get a 16 port switch if I did everything I wanted to do. So when I started to see stuff at CES that that said, well, no, you don't need a hub. It just talks to HomeKit. That was singing a song I wanted to sing. That's right. And that's, I think, what people what people do want. They don't want to have to buy starter kits, and they don't want to have to buy these bridges. The challenge is, and you know, the Bluetooth five specification was just approved and made formal by the Bluetooth um, special interest group um, in December, and that's supposed to make Bluetooth a little bit faster and more responsive and, and longer range and better energy oh, um, good. conservation. Um, because sometimes people uh, have challenges with bluetooth devices where um, they go into the they go <laughs> sometimes into the home that would be an understatement <laughs> okay uh, always more than sometimes always um because bluetooth devices are thought of as well they're slow they're not going to respond so if you think of a bluetooth device with home kit like a, a sensor that's supposed to alert you if you're if someone opens your door or window and they break into your house you need to be notified of that immediately but i found that Elgato um, has, and obviously Apple has tweaked things fairly well because I I have one of their um, door and window sensors on my front door, and oh. when I have the little notification turned on through uh, the home app, it actually goes off pretty quickly. So, and you can trigger all kinds of fun things, um, but not sadly you can't. Uh, you can trigger alerts via notifications, um, but you can't do that. You can't uh, control those to say, well, give me the notifications. Only if I'm not home. Well, because right, if I'm right, already right. home, like I already need, don't need it. So, again, Apple's I'm sure going to work on all these things and you know release. So some sort of geofencing to that would be 
Yeah, HomeKit is wonderful, and I understand why it's not as advanced as it could be, and Apple takes its time doing things. So I think probably in the next release of iOS, I hope they don't call it 11. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll um, we'll see uh, whatever they call it, but uh, the next yearly release will probably bring a, a lot of new Cue HomeKit. Cue up the spinal tap out. jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So do you have um, do you have locks? Smart, smarter locks. I do. Just, uh, just to my left and behind me is an August smart lock. I'm actually going to be testing soon. I'm probably going to be re- uh, replacing it tomorrow with the uh, the new uh, premise uh, smart lock from, from Quickset. Quickset. Uh-huh. I was really impressed with that. That looked pretty cool. We did uh, a video on that. I think that's already played. I forget. Uh, but yeah, that looked that looked pretty slick and wasn't as terrifying as mostly. I've been terrified. Okay. Does it scare you at all? I've had the August for two years now, and no one's no one's broken in. No one's. <laughs> I've, never, I've never gotten an alert that said uh, someone unlocked your door. Um, in fact, uh, my uh, I live in this. I have a really cool arrangement with some uh, living arrangement with some good friends of mine, and we all we both have August smart locks, so we both have access to our places. You know, if they're they're away, and I watch their pets and things like that, so they're right in the kind of the you can have multiple locks listed in the August dashboard. Oh, okay. So I can I can get access to their place if necessary, and obviously they're my landlord, so they they get access <laughs> to my place. Um, and some people, you know, some people prefer um, devices like the August because it doesn't require you to completely change out the lock. Like oh, the, the quick set does. But if um, if you have a quick set lock already, they have that rekey technology, the physical um, technology they've had for a couple of years now that you can easily rekey the lock to your existing lock if you're in the quick set family already. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. How do you rekey a lock? It's a the, physical. This is this is something separate from the smarter side of things. Okay. They've actually had this for about I think four or five years. It's a physical um, set of actions that you do. You have to have the original key to the lock, and obviously um, uh, the the existing key that you want to key it to. And you go through a certain amount of physical mechanical steps with the lock itself. There's a special little button. I don't I, I don't okay. want to describe it in detail, but it's, okay. it, they have it well documented. I'm an engineer. Yeah. I want to hear all the gritty details, but I'll go oh, look cool. it up. I'm sure that they, yeah, <laughs> look up the YouTube videos. It's it's a pretty nifty thing, but it does require you to have the original key to that new lock so that you can you're not just going to go around to other quick set locks rekeying, you know, at random. Okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that'll yeah. be interesting, and I, I'm sure you'll do a video on the uh, on smarter home life and uh, when you when you get that one going, right? Absolutely. And I've I've played with the August for for two years solid. It's it's a good product. It has. Uh, I say this to everyone, and I've said this on my shows as well. A smart lock is also as only as good as your existing deadbolt. If your if your door and your door jam don't line up correctly, if you have to <laughs> use a lot of uh, effort to you know to to uh, to turn that. Um, knob for the um the deadbolt your your smart lock is going to work really hard and it's usually oh, right. working off of two or it's usually working off of double a batteries so um in fact mine sticks in the winter time but it frees up in the warmer temperatures so kind of a, oh that's that's a, a really good point you have to if it's yeah. hard for you to turn it's going to be really hard for those double really a batteries hard. to get it done that's right that's well, right so you started talking and i think i interrupted you about how amazon and uh, apple and google are forcing the industry to maybe come up with a consolidation. What do you see happening? I see, and, and I asked this of a couple of companies who didn't want to answer the question, obviously, because I'm sure no one wants 
no one wants to talk about consolidation, but I think that we're going to see some consolidation happen, maybe not in 2017, but probably starting next year. There are a number of companies um, that have brought products to market that were all crowdfunded that may or may not either run out of operating capital or whatnot. But I think also we're going to see this challenge with, um, like I was talking a little bit about before, logos on boxes. Does this work with that and all these different mm. um systems that you have to think about does this light work with this hub um and i kind of equate it back to do you remember the early days um say about you know the early 2000s when bluetooth was becoming a thing right mm -hmm. imagine if we had had back then multiple like three or four or five different bluetooth like standards <sighs> how confusing and how difficult would that have been to for consumers to think about, well, is this headphone going to work with that stereo or is it going to work with my, or we were using PDAs back then, right? <laughs> there were no mm -hmm. real smartphones. Right, right. So now you have multiple standards, multiple systems, and some companies saying, well, we want to have our, we want to have our products on this one system because it's better, it's better or more efficient. But again, it can be confusing for consumers. Um, Apple and Google and Amazon through these devices are largely trying to take that idea away of consumers having to worry about that. And part of it is there are more devices now that are coming out that are uh, Wi-Fi enabled or that they are Bluetooth, but maybe they can connect back through some sort of Wi-Fi to Bluetooth bridge, which we saw a couple of those come out at CES as well. And we also saw, I'm sure you stopped by the uh, the iDevices booth. They make a lot of HomeKit um, products. Yeah, yeah. Um, their products gained, their, their products originally were HomeKit only until, I believe, July or August of last year and gained functionality with Amazon and, I'll say, Alexa, very quiet so I don't <laughs> set off anyone's um, devices. Well, now you can't even say the word computer. Uh, I just because they just <laughs> I don't know whether anybody uh, everybody's heard that but uh Amazon you could call it Echo or Alexa and now they've made it where you can say computer as a head nod to Scotty on uh in the Star Trek movie about the whales which right. I still think yeah. is one of the funniest things he ever said but uh, oh, but anyway so now we can't awesome. say any words right now just forget <laughs> it and and in 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 movies and in, and in well-scripted, you know, sci-fi television, that whole thing worked very well. And now we understand that we set off these devices. I honestly, I, I love all this technology, but half the time I keep uh, the Echo and I keep Google Home on mute so that it doesn't get set off by. Oh, <laughs> you can mute them. Yes, you can. How do you mute it? There's a mute button. Uh, there's a physical mute oh, okay. button on each one. Oh, oh, that's good to know. My friend Dorothy yeah. would like to hear that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Do you not do you not have an Amazon Echo or No, a, I have Google a dot. I don't do oh, hardly anything with it. She okay. she lights up, man, all the time. I mean, we're watching TV. I think that's one of the reasons um we we just talked to Micah Sargent about this and I asked him why he why he thinks Amazon's really taken off. I think I figured it out. It's cuz her voice control is so sensitive. She goes off all the time so she you don't forget she's there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> It's very true. I, I have personally found that the the voice hiccup and the voice recognition seems to be a little bit better on the Google Home. Mm. Um, but I'm also using the first generation of the dot. And I know that Amazon made some uh, adjustments to the, the okay. chipset and the mics on the on the second one. But, yeah, you can mute it so she can't listen to you. 
Okay. Either either of them can't. So but when back we, to my when we, yeah. When we get on the other side of this this yeah. consolidation, do you picture it just being those three, being Apple, Google, and and Amazon, and all these little companies would disappear, or they would all have conformed to what these companies want them to do? I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a couple of startups um, either get purchased or, um, or or go away. Potentially, there are some small um, crowdfunded startups that have uh, that have come up. I'm not going to name any of them, so I don't get. Um, emails. But anyways, um, there's a number of them that have come up over the past couple of years and they'll either survive or, or they won't. I think, though, what we're going to see is, is is consumers are not going to have to worry as much about does this device work with this protocol thing that I've never heard of. They're just going to say, does it work with um, does it work with Amazon? Does it work with Apple? Does it work with Google Home? Now, there's one player this year. There's one more there's, there could be a fourth that's coming soon this year, and we're not sure how that's is going to play out. Um, I'm sure, obviously, you're familiar with Siri. Mm-hmm. Um, did you hear the news last year about a, um, a service, a, a voice recognition uh, system called Viv? Yeah. The, I, yeah. Did Microsoft buy them? Nope. Um, bought them? Sam, Samsung bought them. Oh, right, right, right. That's what it was. And Samsung owns SmartThings. Okay. So, there's been some news that uh, some announcements that Samsung is going to brand Viv and they they're going to brand their digital assistant, you know, a la Alexa. Um, they're going to brand it called Bixby and it will be introduced sometime this year. We don't know if they're going to introduce an Amazon Echo like device or it's mm. going to be into or it's going to be integrated into, um, you know, Gal- their, their smartphone and tablet line. If it's going to be somehow integrated into smart things, which is a very popular platform, which works right. with multiple different things. So that could be the fourth one or it could be a bump in the road. But I so think that wouldn't overall, be consolidation. That just got more complicated. That's that's why I'm saying it could get a little bit more confusing before it gets better. But um, with with because Apple and Amazon and Google are largely trying to accomplish some of the sim- some of the same things. Um, I think the competition is going to be great for consumers, and they'll just think, "Well, what do I have at home? Do I have HomeKit? Do I have Amazon? Do I have Google?" And they're going to you'll start buying these devices based on that compatibility, and not worrying mm-hmm. so much about these weird protocols you've never heard of. But some devices that need those hubs or bridges, they're still going to be sold with those hubs or bridges, and it's kind of a a fact that we're probably going to be stuck with, but. But I wonder some, if there's, I mean, if there's a, a smart sensor out there that I have to buy a hub for, and there's the Elgato one that I don't have to buy the hub for. You're yeah, probably going to go with you know, Elgato. Even if I, I was made of money, I wouldn't want another hub. I yeah. mean, it's just it's too much stuff on my desk. I actually moved the router into another room so that all that junk was on a, on a different, uh, a different desk. So. I, I completely agree with you. And for consumers, yeah, I'm probably gonna, preaching to the choir with you, right? Yeah. I have a stack of like three or four of them back there. So because <laughs> for testing and whatnot, but consumers, general consumers are going to want less stuff. They're going to want less to worry about, but they're still going to want cool stuff that just works out of the box. Yeah. I think just works and just keeps working would be nice. I, I finally <laughs> have mine set up once uh, the home app came out where we've got the hue lights. Two of the three of them work. Don't okay. know what's wrong with the third one. It works okay. as a light bulb, but it doesn't respond to anything. Oh. Uh, 
But anyway, okay. the, we can talk offline if you know what I should do about that. But uh, sure, that these two work, and I can. One of the problems is when I go to bed at night, I gather up all my stuff, and then I realize, oh, I got to go turn those lights off, and I've forgotten uh, to turn the light on on the stairs. And so once I turn those off, then I'm going to be in the dark, so I got to walk. Big pain. So now I can just turn my wrist, and I can say, "Hey, Shlomo, uh, right. turn turn the lights off." And almost every time she does it, and then sometimes she just does it. And she goes, "Nah, I what." Nope, no idea nope. what you're talking about. No idea, nope. or I can't reach that device, or I'm not sure what you meant there. I but just... I've got my phone in the in my hand, and I can tell my phone, and it'll do it. So it's just right. like we need it to work every time. That, and that's part of the challenge too. It's why I I use I use um, these voice recognition systems more on a limited basis, usually for dictation. Sometimes opening apps, sometimes using commands. Yeah, why is I the have... dictation so good? She can't do anything else, but she can take dictation. Dictation is excellent. It's excellent. Yeah. I, and I, I, I have another term that I kind of have been throwing around with, um, the smarter home, as I call it, the, the trifecta of control, which is that because right now people are really fascinated and really excited about doing all this voice control, Mm -hmm. but we all know that a, it doesn't work all the time and B it might not be appropriate all the time. If you're already watching a movie and you're going to start yelling at Siri <laughs> or the or, or the Echo, it doesn't make sense. So I think, you know, in the home, you really want um, not only voice, you want your apps. You know, if your phone is nearby or your Apple Watch is nearby or your wearable, you can control it that way. But yeah. having, phys- having kind of old-fashioned physical controls, um, buttons or switches or something uh, that interface back to your system is still really important. People... People are used to, um, especially people who might go from traditional regular old light switch lighting to smart lighting and thinking, oh, my goodness, I've done I've replaced everything in my home with smart lighting. And now I can't use my switches because I have to go to an app. So my what if your uh, your Internet service (laughs) goes goes down? down. All of a sudden you can't do anything. I'm locked in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's like the Simpsons episode. Right. Um, But um, the quick set still has a physical lock. So that's good. That's exactly right. Although they demoed and I have some photos. I didn't play with it that much. They demoed that obsidian lock, which appeared to not even have a key. And Mm. I thought. Okay, if your battery dies, how do you get in your house? You know, yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. I need to talk to them about that one. But um, it's, that's you funny. know, we are we are in a little bit of a a new frontier. Yeah, like I I don't technology. know that I would recommend for most people to jump in yet. I mean, we keep wanting to jump in, and we've just barely started to dip a toe in the water uh, for the I, for the lock side. Do you mean? Well, we haven't. We haven't jumped into that particular one yet. We're, okay. We we got close. I don't know. The the quick set definitely did look interesting, and then there was a um, garage door opener that looked pretty good. I think uh, actually, is that one of the things you were going to talk about? Uh, possibly. I know that um, Chamberlain made an announcement. Uh, they've had the MyQ um, yeah versions of their garage doors. They've also had a, like a MyQ module which enables some of their older garage door openers um, to be internet accessible. But now they're going to have a device dedicated for HomeKit um, coming out. I think in April or May. And that's an area, again, kind of like security people get concerned. Well, do I want to connect my garage door? Because some people will, you know, close their garage door. They might leave the door unlocked, you know, that goes from their house to their garage, assuming that, well, the garage door is locked and closed. Right. No one, no one can get in. Then you connect it to the Internet and then, well, what's going to happen? So uh, I don't have a garage here. I wish I did. 
um, <laughs> but uh, I don't, so I can't actually. <laughs> uh, a garage is actually in this particular. This is a, I live in a, one of the historic uh, Central Phoenix neighborhoods that many houses were built without garages, or uh, they just oh. had carports. So I can't test that. But well, you uh, could have them ship some stuff to me, and I'll report back to you. There we go. There we go. We'll, we'll work together on this. Because we do have a Chamberlain garage door, and I think we actually have one of those modules oh, okay. uh, that you talked about. That's why we were thinking that might get interesting. And that would have been really useful. Um, I, I don't know what was causing it, but, but for a long time, we would just forget to close our garage door when we went to work. And it got to the oh. point where I finally gave a garage door open under my neighbor so she could stop calling me and just close it for me. Right. And that's kind of the same concept uh, you talk about the, uh, did I close it? It's the same yeah. idea with the smart locks. Um, you know, the August and, and many others you know, have the feature um, where obviously, you know, when you approach and it senses your phone, it can auto unlock, but it can have also have a timer delay that it will automatically lock once, uh, you know, once it's been unlocked, you can set a timer delay to have it re-lock the door. Oh, I would and, so and- lock myself out if I did that. That sounds <laughs> well. And I also, in the interview we did with Quickset, I liked that they didn't have the proximity thing. And that uh, was mostly because of a uh, horror story I heard from Veronica Belmont. She was, uh, got one of the smart locks. And when she and her husband would go to bed, the front door would unlock because it turned out their their bedroom was right next to the door. Oh, and they they had to get rid of it because the door kept unlocking. It kept unlocking. I've had and I've had weird issues where you know occasionally you know because GPS and geolocation isn't quite perfect. I've had my phone while sitting right here at my desk think that the phone has like left the planet. It's, it thinks oh. it's gone like miles away, and oh, then yeah. it immediately comes back, and then all of my automation changes immediately to I left the house. Oh and no. And then it comes back and then the front door unlocks, the lights turn on. I'm like, what's going on here? Like when home automation goes wrong. So we are still, there are a number of things to work out and to get this stuff. Back to our maybe not completely ready for everybody yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but for those of us who are the early adopters, you know, I love this stuff. I love testing it. I love the fact that I've been able to work with companies to bring their products to um, to my viewers and and to get stuff to to play around with. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a lot of fun. Well, I did want to ask you uh, what cool stuff you saw at CES. Now, obviously, that could be a 12-hour conversation, but maybe some highlights. What was really yeah. cool to you? You know, and and I did actually, because um, I do a few different things to kind of keep the, keep the lights on, so to speak. So I've been a little bit delayed with some of my CES coverage. But one of the first videos I put up was kind of the top five things I thought of that were really cool at CES. The number one item, which does fall into the smarter home, was a company called Aura, A-U-R-A. And they've developed a, a system, a security system that includes motion sensing that has a hub device and a sensor device that you put on opposite sides of your house. And that's it. There are no other sensors. There are no cameras. They are able to, without using a Star Wars reference, detect disturbances within <laughs> wireless signals, a disturbance in the force. Um, they're able to detect ripples in wireless signals, your existing Wi-Fi, or they, if there's not enough wireless signals, their hub will actually, and sensor will generate a static wireless field. Oh, and it wow. can cover, it can cover the entire home, two stories of a home. And they can identify also if, you know, if, uh, they can identify based on 
how those wireless signals are being disturbed and also what devices are present and perhaps on you, like if you carry your iPhone around, they'll know if you come home, if you leave. Um, I had a, about a half an hour chat with their, one of their engineers who happened to be at their booth, and it was very impressive. They invented their own um, chipsets for the radio technology. They're out of Canada, and it, uh, it ships next month, so it's not a, it's not a Kickstarter project. <laughs> it's not a, a dreaming uh, you know, that it's going to be a um, product. It was priced at, I know that you can get it at about $399 right now, which sounds expensive, but if you think about that, you you don't have to buy all these other sensors, you know, individual sensors for doors and windows and, and you know, motion sensors and cameras. Um, I thought that was a pretty cool product. And they said also that it's because they're doing uh, security and motion sensing without cameras, it's not as concerning for people who are worried about privacy. Okay. Um, no microphones, I, no cameras. No microphones, no cameras. They're just using wireless signals. So was, I, I have kind of lost the thread of why. What? So you've got the you've got two sensors in the house in the opposite corners of the house, and right. you're sensing disturbances. But then what? Um, it it can identify. Obviously, this is for motion sensing for security. So say if if you're say you're not at home, and this is uh, this is your security system now, and okay. so it can it can do alerts, and they are able to um, they. He explained it to me, and they have it in their videos that they can also sense when individual users, individual people who are supposed to be in the home actually get there. Um, they can identify those individuals based on their patterns and how they're interrupting um, their how they're interrupting uh, the wireless field and down to even your pets because the pets are small enough and they're different wait sizes. A wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So it's going to know that how tall I am and how much I weigh and the way I swing my arms? I mean, what? Uh, I I think that identification is also tied with the fact that you would probably have your phone with you and they're going to be sensing their um, the signals also being uh, the, the signature of you being there along with your phone and sensing those signals as well if you're hmm. present. And then if you're not present, if say if everyone is gone and say there's not that much activity going on at the home, they're going to be generating a wireless um, static field so that there's enough um, there's enough wireless activity that they can see if there's a disturbance like someone breaking into your home who shouldn't be there. And then you'll get an alert. You do know what's going to happen with this, Joe. When you put this in your house is your phone is going to suddenly think it's someplace else and your alarms are all going to start going off because <laughs> you're moving off. around. <laughs> right. Right. Again, brand new technology. But I thought that was one of the coolest innovations. Interesting um, idea. Yeah. And their their booth was not their their booth presence was not that impressive because you know how do you demonstrate um, how do you demonstrate this technology? They had a VR headset that you could kind of do a visualization of how it works, which yeah. they have that on their um, they have some nifty uh, videos on their website as well. So yeah, I thought that was cool. cool. I'm sure I'm sure you saw that that Shadecraft um, umbrella robotic thing that was yeah. Steve nifty, just but Steve just put that one out. Uh, people will have heard it this week, but yeah, that was kind of kind of interesting. There was another. Um, getting back to something uh, for really for the smart home, and they they had a booth that was not in the Sands part. They it wasn't in the traditional smart home section. But I was talking to them. There's a company called. Um, where is it? There's a card. I just, I just happen to have it on my desk. Universal Electro Universal Electronics, who happens to make a wide variety of devices. Um, but as it turns out, their technology is embedded in 
hundreds of millions of devices, things like smart TVs, game consoles, um, uh, smartphones and tablets and whatnot. And they demoed uh, um, a an app that's coming up um, that's a free app for iOS and Android that is going to be able to use their existing embedded technology that are in these smart TVs and other devices that through a single app that you will be able to um, detect, you know, discover um, what devices, what these uh, smart AV devices that are already in your home and what content is on them. And the app is because it's connected and it knows um, it can talk to your um, devices. And if those devices have a, you know, a password set on them, you're going to go through some sort of authentication process. But then it knows what's connected to them. It knows what port, um, like an HDMI port it's on. So you could say, well, I want to watch this from my Roku that happens to be connected to this particular TV and it'll show you the content that you have, maybe the, um, that's already DVR'd or available on your Roku or your Apple TV and you tap on it right on the app and then it instantly starts uh, playing on the TV and it'll do the auto switching. Oh, and I wow. thought, wow. And so they're using technology that they've already developed. It's already in the hardware that they've had in these hundreds of millions of devices and now a free app for iOS and Android that's going to simplify your life. Oh, um, wow. So they've they've done like a Trojan horse. They've been sneaking these things into all the devices. And then all of a sudden they're going to go, here, we can talk to everything. Yeah. And these are the these are the guys, though. Um, Universal Electronics owns um, a brand called One for All, which people may be familiar with. You know, Universal Remotes, they've been making those for years. Ah, okay. So these are the guys who know... Um, who know quite a bit about um, about TV and and you know home theater and AV and, and trying to control all these devices, which we've all been trying to do for for years. We've been trying <laughs> to get rid of the remotes and trying to make things simpler. My solution um, actually is I, I've got a whole lot of remotes and I'm going to get a big piece of plywood and I'm just going to glue them all down, or maybe just glue them to the coffee table. That would okay. just solve all the problem, right? They'll be right there. You got to get right. up. You get a little bit of an ab workout to get to the remote yep. control. That's my yep. solution. <laughs> yep. In fact, you know, talking about AV and and one of the things I would love to have Apple add to HomeKit next year is HomeKit does a great job with, you know, lighting and scene control and sensors. But but where's like the fun stuff? Why is it that I can't create a, say, a a romance scene uh, within HomeKit that, you know, it turns some of the lights red and dims things down and then it starts playing music on my Mac or my iPhone or, or something like that? You can't do that yet. And I'm like, why not? Well, here's here's a fun one. Did you, by any chance, talk to the sci-fi people at CES last year? I did not. So uh, we did an interview with the the VP of sci-fi, or I don't know what cha- what it was above that above the sci-fi channel. But anyway, uh, the mo- the TV show The Expanse, they worked together with the Hue Lightbulb people and created oh. a set of scenes that went along with the show. I so you would basically this. say, yes. I'm going to watch this episode and the lighting changed with the show. It was crazy. That's it's it's such cool stuff. Um, That's what you're talking about. That can be done. That can, that can be done. Exactly. More of and that. Huh? More of that. The You know, we've we've established that we can make all this stuff. We can change the colors of our lights and whatnot. So now let's, let's add the fun stuff. You know, (laughs) I get it. There's, and there's some of the apps that are out there right now, music visualizers, and you can, there are some apps right now. If you point your phone at your TV, it will look at the colors of what's on your TV and kind of change your lights, you know, to kind of be um, similar to what's, what's on your TV at the time. So it's getting there. 
So He's I see you, you, uh, you have down here Nevo Home. What was that? That's actually what I was just talking about with the, oh. <laughs> that's actually the, the app. So Nevo, N-E-V-O Home is the app, um, this upcoming app. Uh, I'm told it's going to launch in the next couple of weeks. Um, that will that's be the one that talks to all your d- different remotes your, and TVs your, and stuff. Yeah. Assuming that, and that app assumes obviously that your the devices are connected devices that they've you're, you've plugged them into some sort of Wi-Fi or, or an Ethernet. Um, if they're not, they can't talk to okay. them. Okay. Um, okay. And their goal is eventually also to bring in smart home devices as well, lights and dimmers and sensors and things like that. But they're starting with what they what they do best. That could be fun. All right, let's see. You've yeah. got Cube down here. Q U B E. Q U B E. This is a startup um, that um, that is now uh, just there. I'm, I'm supposed to get their bulb in another week or two. Um, the the first low cost, and I mean low mm-hmm. cost, as in less than thirty dollars per bulb. One of these color changing Wi-Fi based um, oh. light bulbs. They also at CES they launched their next campaign for one of these you know flexible light strips as well which oh, is neat. also which is also supposed to be less than $30. Many of my viewers, many people out there complain about things like the Philips Hue. Why is it so expensive? Um Philips Hue uh and other companies have stated that we're selling an experience, we're selling these products that are <laughs> that do so much more than a traditional light bulb and that's kind of why you you pay more. Uh, but companies like Cube have said, well, why Why do you have to pay more? So I'm curious. I haven't gotten their product yet. They have a lot of videos out there, but I'm curious to test it to see, um, is it going to be as good as um, as some of the other products that are out there? Um, yeah, it looks like they're actually available today. So you said under $30, it's $29. There you go. There you go. So <laughs> Maybe they, I can they, replace that one that doesn't work. And now is that HomeKit compatible? Not yet. No, they're, 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 they're a startup. They, they were down on the lower level of the Sands convention center in that uh, Eureka park area with a lot of startup companies. Um, so, um, they're, they're just getting started. I know I guess HomeKit requires a lot of, you know, certification from Apple and specific chipsets and whatnot. So that might be generate generation two. Um, okay. uh, Okay. So, um, Oh shoot! I had one really important question, and it just uh, just slipped out. <laughs> slipped out. Okay. Let's see. Do you have a? Let's see. Any more on your list here? Aura Home. Uh, that's what I just talked about with um, the uh, wireless, uh, no camera, no sensor required. Oh, that was you the know, no the, camera the, one, right? That one. All right, and you said, and only one cool drone. <laughs> uh, well, t- there were plenty. I, I had to make my rounds around the rest of the show uh, just to to make sure I didn't miss anything. They were demoing. There was I don't know if you've heard about it. There, um, there's this. Um, they they came again, kind of kind of like the Amazon Echo. They came out of nowhere last year. Um, the uh, hover drone, um, <laughs> which was announced I think in like last summer, and now they're shipping and they were they were demoing it. But it's a little foldable drone that you like unfold it and you just throw it in the air and it. And it floats and it, it can also um, it has, um, you know, visual uh, sensing and kind of machine learning so that it can just follow you around and it can thought, track you for like sports. And maybe there were a bunch of those. But the, the one that was announced last year or yeah, last year was the one that folded this year. The company folded and gave all the money back. This must be a different one. It's a different one. Yeah, this one, this one, the drone folds, but the company hasn't folded. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember what that one was called? Oh, gee whiz. Was that the 
I know that there was one that was widely talked about that seemed to like it was vaporware that the one that would yeah. sit on your wrist that would like fly away and take a selfie and fly back. Yeah, I think yeah. it's called Nixie and N I X I E. Yeah, that's the thought, one that folded the company. Okay, okay. I think um, we did interview uh, at um, I think it was Pepcom. I forget which one which one it was. I get all the different uh, press things mixed up, but we haven't played it yet. But it was a hilarious interview because it was it was a selfie drone and it was just. All I could think of to ask the guy was, so you're going to just basically make us as obnoxious as we possibly can be. And he was like, yep, that's what we're doing. <laughs> it's your worst uh, nightmare, basically. Yeah. Drones, it, it's such an interesting thing. At, at, at one of the uh, my most previous uh, position, uh, I got to do some because I've always bounced back between uh, the developer side and, you know, the, the real techie side and kind of digital video and, and media work. And I got to do some some drone uh, videography for um for um arizona state university oh. and uh it was uh, some really cool stuff we convinced them to buy one <laughs> and then a number of months later they found out they thought yeah you probably shouldn't be flying this but we made some really <laughs> we made some really cool videos with it but it, it's it's an interesting it's 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 an amazing new way to do uh to do photography and videography it sure is making a totally difference cool. well the last question i wanted to ask you was do you feel that there are, was it your experience that there were a lot more companies coming out with HomeKit this year than there had been previously, or was it kind of disappointing to you? No, there are. There are a number of new companies um, or existing companies that are introducing HomeKit versions of their products. And I think this is because Apple, number one, HomeKit has been in existence for long enough where the companies have been able to go through the, the certification process. Apple has increased the amount of categories that HomeKit can support, and obviously the demand. But we've seen uh, now there's cameras. Uh, obviously, we've seen the garage door side. Um, having, uh, I know many people have been clamoring for a, a standalone HomeKit uh, light bulb, and we've seen now um, a dedicated one come out. And then LifeX announced about a couple weeks ago that their newest products that just hit last fall or this fall. Um, have the HomeKit hardware built in, and they'll become HomeKit compatible next month. Uh, and a lot of people like uh, LifeX products. Um, there were, there was, number one, I would say, yes, there were a ton of HomeKit products, but there were a ton of home automation products in general. My feeling at CES was everyone now has seemingly decided to make everything. <laughs> there are co companies who weren't even in the home automation space. Dog food, we've got a automation. home automation. <laughs> That's right. I mean, and and like I said, I think again we're going to see some some consolidation happen over the next probably eighteen to twenty four months, which is natural. We've got a lot of cool stuff, but I think we have to go through this process, right? There's so much innovation going on. There's, I mean, there are things that are out now that people probably would not have thought of um, years ago, like um, Sengled uh, famously makes combination products with um, speakers and light bulbs all in one. Um, a company that I was uh, fortunate to have been kind of sponsored up there um, by, and I was on their smart home panel discussion, uh, Zmodo. They have all of these combination uh, security cameras and, uh, and lights that can uh, in integrate with their video doorbell as well. So okay. we're seeing a lot of interesting stuff come out, and I think that process has to keep going for a little bit before we kind of figure out what all this stuff is really supposed to look like. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you had the same experience I did about the increase in HomeKit. Um, I think I mentioned this on the show already, but 
uh, one of the vendors told us off the record, I asked, you know, off the record, why is it so hard to get HomeKit uh, certification? What is it about it? And they said the problem was that Apple has this huge test set they have to go through. And they had gone through the whole test set. And then when they went to submit, they had different tests than what were in the test set. And so they had to start over. They started over. And in it, it had taken so long to go through that part, a new OS came out. And they had to start over a third time. And it's like, oh, so no. I thought it was the expense of the chip that everybody was whining about. That's not it. It's the process that you it's have to go to, to get the certification. Now, I'm yeah. glad they do it. But this vendor said that Apple had dedicated all of a sudden a lot more employees after uh, WWDC. They said that at WWDC, they had announced that they were going to put a lot more employees on helping companies do this. And that's why this, this company felt that's why there was this sudden flood of HomeKit compatible devices. Yeah. I, I, and I, there were, uh, I know Apple and a number of companies uh, had, well, the, the companies had made announcements um, that there were going to be uh, multiple product releases by the end of 2016, which I think just kind of flowed right into, tw- into early 2017 with CES. But we've definitely seen, we've just seen, um, you know, the first HomeKit products didn't really come out until June of 2015, and that was largely just lighting products um, and one or two sensors, I think, from Elgato. And Apple has been um, working on HomeKit, right? I, I was working on a project at, at a previous employer that <laughs> the employer had described as, I know we're we're still working on building the airplane while we're flying it, but I'm sorry we have to get this done. And HomeKit has been continuing to improve. And so the companies, you know, have to go through the process. And like you said, it's it's Apple. But I mean, it, I don't know that that the process in terms of the length is that big of a surprise where obviously over many years we've heard of um, developers complaining about the amount of time that it takes Apple to approve apps and and whatnot. Apple has this meticulous process right right in general right yeah it it didn't shock me that it was hard i just didn't know what pieces of it were hard so that was that was kind of interesting well joe this has really been fantastic i really enjoyed this we are definitely going to talk again um but in the meantime why don't you tell people how they can find your work they can find me uh the easiest way is at smarterhomelife.com or if you simply Google or you go on YouTube and you simply search for Smarter Home Life, you'll find the videos. And I do, uh, the videos are the bread and butter of what I do. I do also write uh, a little bit here and there, and I wish I had a little bit more time to do that uh, on the website. And I do keep up with uh, social media. Um, so we're on Facebook and Twitter as well. And I, I put out some interesting things, usually once or twice a day if I can. And, um, and what's, your, about- what's your Twitter name? uh let's see my person well i have diff- if you want to follow the the smarter home life uh handle on twitter that's that if you have any interest in following me personally it's nido Kamen, n-i-d-o-c-a-m-e-n but that's just like personal stuff and like <laughs> food pictures and things like that i don't know okay all right well you know people like the food pictures that's all right, right. Jeff, thank you so much this was fantastic i i really enjoyed this and we are definitely going to talk some more is this because this is only going to get more interesting oh it will thank you so much it's been so much fun to talk to you allison i hope you've enjoyed this episode of chit chat across the pond we are now supported by patreon so if you go over to podfeet.com slash patreon you can pledge your support to the show in weekly installments 
If you don't have money to spare, I understand that. And it would be great if you used our Amazon affiliate links when you buy things on Amazon anyway, and a little bit of money goes to help the show. I love feedback, so please send me email at allison at podfeed.com. And you can join in our Facebook group over at podfeed.com slash Facebook and our community at podfeed.com slash Google+. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.